Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth while protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your hosts, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Well, welcome back to Ditch the Suits podcast. Steve Campbell here with you. Today, we are going to be concluding our mini series on all things financial freedom. It's been a great series so far. In part one, Travis and I addressed this issue of feeling depressed or like something is missing when you reach this ultimate pinnacle moment of being financially free. How come we feel the way we can sometimes feel? In part two, we talked about the realities of financial freedom. It has how you will spend your time and how you will redirect your energies, how you redirect your passions. But in this last part, we want to have a really honest conversation about our lives and what is all this for? What is the purpose of money and what can financially freedom really buy you? So thanks for being our guest through this series. As always, if you haven't already, please subscribe and follow this podcast so you never miss a new episode. And if the show has impacted you, Travis and I would love to earn a five-star rating and have you leave a review. For your ratings and reviews, help others become believers. We only get one shot at this thing called life. And obviously, as you listen to this episode, you're going to hear our heart behind this. We really just want to help you try to get the most out of it. So thanks as always for being our guest. We never take you listening for granted. We appreciate all of you that are following us on this journey to financial freedom. We hope this series has inspired you to go out and live your best life. So thanks for tuning in and enjoy this conclusion to all things financial freedom. Well, welcome back to Ditch the Suit. Steve Campbell here with Travis Moss. Today, we're going to finish part three of our series talking about all things financial freedom. You know, in the first two episodes, we spent some time talking about this emotion that can sometimes exist uh, exist when we reach the pinnacle of success of financial freedom, which is just a depression or this feeling of missing out and how you can work through that. In the last episode, we talked about the reality of being financial free. We gave you some real things that you can think about as we talked about financial freedom is not an ending, but it's really a new beginning. And in this last one, we want to talk about really one of the biggest transitions that I think as people get to financial freedom that they don't even realize, that's really going to be, I think, really uh, popular and important to a lot of listeners. So Travis, what's one of the biggest transitions that people deal with on the road to financial freedom? The issue of turning into a spender from a saver. Hmm. So when you over-condition yourself, when you obsess about saving and accumulating, and you're proud of it. It's part of your identity. Look what I'm able to do. I'm able to go without. We don't have cable and we don't have fancy cars or we've lived in a smaller house or whatever whatever you've done to save and accumulate. And then one day you don't have the paycheck anymore. So you have to spend the savings. All of a sudden, you're no longer putting money into your accounts. You, you've been conditioned to put X amount of money into that savings account every single week or every month. Now you don't put any money in there. In yeah. fact, you don't put any money in there and you maybe take money out. It is a really, really kind of freakishly scary thing for certain people because you've created an identity for yourself and now you are wrecking it. You are changing it. Hmm. And it can be really hard to the point of not being able to sleep at night right? Um, where I've had people in tears because they were just so afraid of spending 
really insignificant amounts of money to have really unselfish basic expenses covered. And we have to be careful that we're not, that we understand that there's a, there's a place for savings, right? And there's a place for, you can oversave and you can overspend. Yeah. Um, a lot of times in couples, we talk about with couples, there's a, a lot, the best couple situation is actually a saver and a spender because they pull each other to the middle because mm-hmm. the saver won't spend and the spender won't save. So you need this spender to help the saver spend a little bit. You need a saver to help the spender save. Well, I said that probably backwards, right? Spend no, that was I mean, I think you just yeah. nailed, <laughs> nailed that. That was actually pretty good. Yeah. Get them to the middle, basically. That's the goal. Yeah. When you have two savers, it's a lot more work, actually, a lot of times for the advisor. So like our role, when you have one on each end, it's facilitating the conversations and putting things in perspective in a way that both sides can understand it. Because a lot of times the saver is analyt- more analytic and a lot of times the spender is more kind of behavioral. So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to speak both languages so that each person can understand what the, where the other is coming from. When you have two savers or two spenders, it can actually be harder because there's no, there's no equilibrium there, right? It's, it's a lot of times heavy in one direction or the other where we're either trying to convince both spouses that you know, the, this, the, this dream list that you have, you can do that. You don't have to feel bad about this because they come in and they say, when can we retire? When can we be financially free? And we say, well, here you go. You can, you can do that right now. And they say, oh, great. And then they get there and they're like, I have to spend money out of my savings account or I have to spend money out of my retirement account that I wanted to be financially free. But that's what that means. Being financially free means you don't get the paycheck from the job anymore. Right. You've replaced it with a paycheck, either from a pension, social security, or your own investments. It's just, you're not reliant on a third party now to give you a paycheck because you're working for them, right? Right. You're just, you've replaced that. And so there's, there's a really interesting kind of challenge that people go through. Then when when you get both, when you have two spenders, that it's kind of the issue is the other way is saying, Hey, look, you know, you you reach financial freedom, but you're going to become unfinancially free. You're, you're going to undo what you built because now that you've decided that, you know, you were able to save enough and for, you know, in some way or fashion, you've been able to save enough. That doesn't mean you can just go blow it all in the first two years, right? You'll be back right. to working. So, right. so it's, it's a challenge depending on the type of couple or even just if it's an individual, depending on which sometimes it's harder for individuals because you, you don't have anything to you don't have that partner to bounce stuff off, right? You don't have that spouse where you could say, I'm thinking about doing this. Am I crazy? And a lot of people don't talk about money with anybody, but people very close to them. So you're sitting there, you're, you're, and I've worked with lots and lots of people who have been widowed with this, where, you know, they don't have that person that they just spent 30 years with to bounce an idea off. And they're unsure about it, you know, and, and yep. who do they talk to? And so right. sometimes our role is actually stepping in and just being the person that they bounce. The, and we say, Hey, no, well, that that's a little bit crazier. No, that you're thinking the right way with that. And it's just trying to help kind of ground this feeling of this is who I was before I was financially free. This is who I am now. And who I am now is contradicting <laughs> what I thought my principles were. Because I, we look at money wrong. We're looking at money in this case as the identifying factor, right? Yeah. And we're taking too much pride in it 
And we have to stop and go, when I was saving so that I could become financially free, the reason why I was saving was so that I could accumulate X amount of money. And then once I did that, I could re- I essentially have all my financial needs taken care of so I can go in and say, I don't want to work anymore, yep. or I'm going to change jobs, or I'm going to move to a different country and see how things go or something like that, whatever your, your thing is. But the whole point there was the reason I was saving was so that one day I wouldn't have to work anymore because I would have accumulated enough savings to pay all my financial needs. So when you get to financial freedom, that means that you've got enough to cover your forward-looking financial needs. You have to give yourself permission to do that. Yeah. And we get stuck there. Right there, we get stuck. We get stuck right on the, uh, what do you mean I have to take money out of my account? Or the market's down. Oh my gosh, you know, I, I don't want to take money out while the market's down. Or I'm going to take money out of my retirement account, pay taxes on it and put it in my savings account so I can trick myself into saving. When when in reality, you're taking it from one savings account to the other one, you're just creating a tax bill just for the heck of feeling better about putting money in a savings account. You always have to go back to whenever people struggle with this, I always go back to why did you save in the first place? Mm -hmm. Well, because I wanted to retire. Okay. Then spend the money in retirement. That's what it's there for. I think, um, I think what's cool too, is you're talking about this, no matter if you're in your car, you're in your house, you're listening to this, wherever you are, as you described really those three sets, which it seems like there are, there's either uh saver, saver, spender, be- spender, spender, see you did better than I did, or yeah. saver, spender, people can quickly self-identify where they are. I, I mean, there's no vague, I mean, there's no ambiguity. You, you As soon as you mentioned whatever the de- degrees were, somebody was like, yep, that's my spouse and I, or yep, that's my partner, my significant other, that's us. So I think it's helpful to understand and be honest with yourself about who you are, right? If, if you're both spenders, don't act like one of you is a saver and one of you is a spender. If you're both savers, don't act like you're both spenders. Really put yourself as to where you are so that as we kind of go into some of this next conversation, it can be meaningful to you to help you where you are in your journey, right? Don't, don't lie to yourself and believe you're somewhere where you're not. So um, I think the big thing and what I love about when you and I talk and even our entire team is no matter if we're talking about financial freedom, planning, investing, savings, what have you, always put purpose behind what you're doing. And I know it sounds so elementary. You're here on this podcast listening and we're telling you to put purpose behind why you do what you do. But sometimes you just need to be reminded of the basics of we sometimes forget why we're doing the things that we're doing. Why are you a parent? Why are you working? Why did you choose to stay married when it got hard? Why why are you working towards financial freedom? When you put purpose to something, it helps keep you rooted, even in those kind of storms of life or sticky situations where you're like, man, what are we working towards? And I think this last kind of section, as we kind of dive into it, is sobering because it's a reality of our own lives and we only get one shot at this thing. So I think you you really have positioned some really good context for a different way to think about it. Why don't you go ahead and kind of share that with us? Because I think it's really powerful. When we started this whole journey um, with Seed, and we started down the path of being a few-only financial planner, I used to say there's a lot of money to get to be, to be made telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Because my perspective was, if somebody is wants to pay me to give them financial advice, then they can't be mad 
when I'm blunt with them because they're that's what they're paying me for. They're not paying me to sugarcoat things or beat around the edges. They're paying me to be blunt with them. And so that's been the tone, right? That's the tone of Ditch the Suits. That's really the tone of our business is just being so darn out in front of things and, and blunt about things that like, look, this is how it is. This yep. is, you know, this is the reality of it. You, you know, maybe it's a little bit too aggressive for some people. I don't know. But to me, if you're listening to us here, this is why you're listening to us, right? Uh, clients, I think they get the most out of working with us. This is what they appreciate because everybody else is trying to sell stuff. We're just like, hey, this is how it is. What do you want to do? Right. But I, so, so the way that I would phrase this is, what's going to be on your tombstone? This kind of fixes, and I, and I use this all the time. This kind of fixes the whole spending conundrum. Yeah. We're normally, we get this big pile of money and we're concerned about a lot of stuff. Am I going to need a nursing home someday and have to pay for it? Am I going to leave enough money for the kids? Um, you know, I going to run out of money before I'm done being retired, <laughs> right? Before I check out. I got all these competing. Maybe I have some kind of arbitrary number. Some people have a number in their head. I need to stay above $2 million. Otherwise, I think I'm less useful or less good for some reason. I don't know. But some people do that. But here's the thing. And I, and I, and I haven't seen a situation where this is not true yet. If you're worried about spending your money. So we do a financial projection and we say, look, you're going to have $3 million by the time you're 90. And we can stress test it. Maybe the range of money you're going to have is between one and a half million and three million, you know, on the kind of the worst case to average scenario. Yep. And then we say, and here's you spending $20,000 a year on vacation, or here's you retiring a couple of years early, or here's you, quote, being financially free, basically saying, I'm going to do what I want at 52 instead of 55. Right. So yep. however you want to term this, basically, here's you spending more money. Mm -hmm. And you now, instead of having between one and a half and three million, are going to have between three quarters of a million, so $750,000 or $2 million by the time you're, what did I say, 90 or 95 years old. Nobody is going to put on your tombstone how much dollars was left over at the end. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to know. The kids, yes, they'll get, you know, kind of their cut of whatever. But was that the reason you were saving in the first place? Right. It doesn't go on your tombstone. It's not what society is going to remember you as. Yep. Normally they remember you as fun-loving, lived life, took advantage of opportunities, those types of things. Yeah. Very rarely, I, in fact, I've never seen an obituary where they say so and so had eight million dollars when they died. That'd be you something. Know, that's right. that's that's just not the number. And if you're worried about your kids inheriting enough money, that's important to a lot of people. But also, there's a certain amount of money where if you leave them any more money, is probably money that they're going to feel emboldened just to spend on stuff. Yeah. Right. It's beyond the point of their need to more of a vanity. So mm -hmm. there also comes to a point where we need to be realistic about what we're trying to protect and how we're identifying ourselves for that. But I mean, that's, that's, that's a personal preference, but ultimately your money should not define you. I mean, I have three main points here. Number one is your money does not define you. Yep. 
Um, that is not what they're going to, you want in your obituary. It's not what's going to go on your tombstone. Yep. So as long as you don't run out and as long as you achieve your primary objectives, who cares if the number is bigger, right? You already got there. You already won. Yep. When you win, you don't get two trophies for lapping the field. You still just get one trophy. So just take your trophy and be happy with it. There's no extra trophies here. So number one is your money does not define you. Number two, the only thing money can do is help you pursue the things in life that excite you. Money is a utility. Yes, it covers our bare bones necessities, right? We got to pay for the heating and we got to pay the property taxes and you know, you got to have the, you know, the basic essentials. But beyond that, the only thing money does for you that is healthy is it helps you pursue things that are exciting. That fire that we talked about earlier, it helps you fan that fire. Whether it's that fire could be spoiling your grandkids and spending time with your grandkids. I'm not saying that it's all about, you know, just your hobbies. Your hobbies could be somebody else right? Yep. But it's, it's whatever that fire is, that's what your money enhances. That's the important thing for your money. And you don't get to, you don't get to get a do-over. So if you get to the very end, they're writing your obituary and stamping your tombstone. They don't say, well, they had a lot of money, but they would have liked to have gone to Italy, you know, or they would have have liked to, you know, give their kids money when they needed it or something like that. Right. Like, yeah. or they would have liked to whatever, it's too late. It's already done. The memories already are missed, right? So, so um, number one, money doesn't define you. Number two, the only thing uh, money can do is help you pursue the things in life that excite you. And number three, this is an interesting one. It can buy you time. And I'm not talking about years of life. Yes, you can get better medical care. And yes, that might be able to help you. But fate is fate, right? There's some things in life that we really just don't control. Yep. So. Aside from fate being fate, what I mean by time is if you have done what you needed to do, you've, you've really, I mean, you took it seriously and you found financial freedom. You're there. Boom. You know, whether you're 35 years old or it took you to you were 70, it doesn't matter. Whatever age you are, you've got the financial freedom because you're financially free now. You have time to do whatever makes you feel good. So money can buy you time in the, in, in, in it as measured by useful time, right? You get to use your time now, however you want. And again, th that is the most important thing. That's the yep. thing people talk about. That's your eulogy, right? Mm -hmm. It's what you did and how you did it. That's important. Uh, it's not about whether or not you had a million at the end instead of a million too. Nobody's going to care about that number. And if they do, that's the wrong thing that they're caring about. There's something else wrong there. So, you know, you got to live the life that you dream of. These are hopefully some ways that help people get closer to that. I love it. it I mean, these kind of conversations excite me because we deal with people from all walks of life and we avoid, you know, absolute words, all, everyone. Um, financial freedom is never meant to be a comparison trap of, you know, when I reach this place in life, I have to do what everyone else does because how you would, you know, money doesn't define you, but your values do. Um, financial freedom may be the ability to give more money away in your lifetime than you can imagine. And that's where you get joy. Maybe it is spoiling your kids or taking trips of your lifetime. 
your definition of financial freedom is going to be very different from people in your inner circle, other family members. Uh, like you had mentioned in one of the calls, I, I get so much joy and I get energy being around other people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy isolation and kind of resetting my mind, but I love being in a room full of people and hearing their stories. Someone else might be a complete introvert. It doesn't mean that one of us is right and one of us wrong. We just both know who we are. Same thing with financial freedom. It's about understanding who and what's important to you. And I think what's crazy is when we have these conversations with people, it's like no one else in the financial world has ever talked to people about this stuff. It's always products and it's always what you can buy and you know risk management. But it's at the end of the day, it's about what do you really want? What do you want your life to look like? And if financial freedom is the ability to do what you want when your life when you want, man, you've got to give yourself permission to live the life that you've always imagined. And it's okay if you haven't imagined it. If that's you here today and you're like, you know what, I, I know I want to be financially free, but I, I really haven't even thought about what that looks like. That's okay too. Start to dream a little bit. You know, and if our whole point of this show, I think that you touched on was to help inspire people to go out and live their best life. And that's become such a meme and such a canned thing. I'm living my best life. But are you really? And I think this idea of what's on your tombstone, it could be sobering, sure, if you want it to be, but it could also be completely empowering. That if you're still breathing, you still got a chance. And you got a chance to go make an impact, you know, not just on your life, but on other people's lives. And, and we all know situations of stories that are devastating of lives lost too soon. And, and it makes you think about, what you're doing with your own life. What Travis and I want to do is inspire you today to not have crisis faith or this moment of, you know, but live with a sense of urgency, urgency, not being a bad thing, but urgency of get the most out of life for whatever that means to you. Use the money that you've been able to build to go do those things and give yourself permission. And if you're not sure, if you need suggestions, whatever it is, you know, there's tons of information out there. Uh, obviously we are here to help inspire you any way that you can. But I think that this was a really, really great series. Uh, I've been really excited going through these three together because we've touched on something that can sometimes be faux pas, which is this idea of depression. And we related it to financial freedom. Typically not two things you would typically put together, but sometimes you reach the pinnacle of success and it's pretty lonely on the way back down because you've reached where you wanted to reach. We've given you some real things to think about the realities of financial freedom. And in this last one, what is on your tombstone? Think about that. Think about the idea of what you just said, Travis. No one drives by, you know, the burial yards and sees Travis Moss worth X, Steve Campbell worth X. There's usually a quote or who that person was. Live a personified life that people can look to and say, man, that's somebody I want to be like, because they really are living their best life. And financial freedom gives you the ability to do that. So as always, Travis and I want to thank you for being our guest. We don't ever take for granted the amount of people that are listening to the show, that are leaving reviews, that are writing reviews. It means the absolute world to us. We read them together when people you know, leave them. So if you've been thinking about leaving one, if this has inspired you, any of these series, gosh, we'd love for you to leave you know, some kind of review. Just let us know that it's resonating with you because again, it gives us the motivation to keep going and know that people really care. So as always, we appreciate you being our guest. Thanks for listening to this uh, series on financial freedom. Stay tuned as always. And if you have any questions at all, don't hesitate to reach out until next time. Thanks for being our guest. Well, thanks for listening. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to this entire episode. Uh, we hope that this information has inspired you and empowered you to go out and live your best life. But let's be honest, you might have a question or two about some of the things we talked about today. If this is you, Travis and I are here to help in any way that we can. 
You can reach out to us and follow us on social media on Facebook at CPG. You can send us an email, uh, info at seedpg.com. Just let us know in the email. This is in regards to Ditch the Suits, a question or topic you might want us to cover. Or you can visit our website, which is seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. Head up to that right corner, fill out that contact us button, and just let us know in the comments that this is in regards to Ditch the Suits. If you have a question, a series of questions, or anything we can do to help you on your journey to financial freedom, Travis and I are here to help. So again, it's your money and it's your life. You only get one shot at this thing. Our job is to make sure you get the most out of it. Thanks for being our guest. And until next time, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Ready to ditch the suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.